right. Morning, family. How are we? Good, good, good. Good to be with you all. Shout out to all the mamas in here today, uh, especially my baby mama. Three kids, killing it, looking fly as ever. Come on. I love it. Uh, hey, moms with older children, we are doing you a favor today because today on Mother's Day, we are talking about the topic of dating. And I know how y'all be every Thanksgiving, right? Like, are you dating anyone yet? Okay, so we got you covered. This is our gift to you. Uh, but we are in a relationship series, and this is just where we happen to fall on Mother's Day on the idea of dating. And we're looking at the different stages that God has each of us in. And what, do we, uh, what does it look like to be faithful in those stages? What does it look like to honor God in those stages? How do we uh, walk in the midst of that? And so uh, we're going to get pretty practical today. And I'm going to be real with you right up front. I'm going to be preaching a little bit differently. I'm going to try to stay like more in this box right here. All right, because we have a lot of notes to cover, and if I start getting over here for more than like a minute, then I just need you to say, Help him, Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're gonna start off in the Song of Solomon today. Yes, I know the Song of Solomon has a lot of sex in it. Yes, we are talking about dating. Do not worry, I am not tripping. All right, uh, there is a lot of other relationship that is shown in this book. Particularly, there's a pursuit of one another outside of marriage. And so dating is a very modern concept, as is courtship. That is not in the Bible that was more arranged then. However, uh, there is a lot of uh, pursuit even outside of marriage. We actually see it in the Song of Solomon. It kind of intermixes throughout there. So Song of Solomon chapter 1, if you need a Bible, the ushers will be coming forward right now, uh, and you can just raise your hand. They would love to give you one. Uh, if you do not own a Bible, that's actually our gift to you. We want you to have it, use it during the week. You can also follow these instructions that are here on the screen, and uh, you can follow along in that way. There's uh, all the notes that are on there, places for you to, uh, yeah, just follow along and stuff like that. And so... Um, we would love for your eyes to be on the word. We say that every week because we want you to see the reality of what the scriptures say, particularly about a topic that may be a little bit difficult for a lot of us because there's some pain or drama or confusion about what does it look like to date well, okay? The scriptures all throughout the, the Bible command us to uh, handle things well when we are outside of the bound of marriage. And in reality, if we're honest, this is uh, probably one of the forms of relationships that we handle most poorly, all right? Like, trust me, I tried 27 times and I only got one of them right, all right? I know, ratchet, y'all are like, I know that about him, all right? But, uh, and then some of us, right, we date really, really, really well, and then we end up getting married, and then we stop our pursuit, and we stop dating as if it kind of ends once marriage comes. We forget to date our spouses. Ladies, that was your chance for an amen. All right, dang, some of y'all said that too loud, all right? Be careful there, all right? Uh, hey, dating someone that you're interested in should never end. All right? And so this really does apply to all of us. Those who want to date, those who are currently dating, those who need to remember how to date again, those who are discipling people towards dating, like this really is all-encompassing in a lot of ways because I'm assuming that most of us at least have somewhat of a desire to enter into this stage or we are already in this stage because we are dating or married and need to continue to date. And so last week, Nick did a great, great, great job talking 
talking about singleness and trying to kind of help us reframe our minds around that in a lot of ways and kind of understanding how we uh, think about singleness and really trying to reshape us to think about singleness as this idea of devotion, that this time is a time for us to be devoted to the Lord, to be following him, to be intimate with him. And in reality, that's important for us to get, especially if we are not yet married, because good uh, dating actually starts with good singleness. And so you have to know how to operate in your singleness before you step into dating. And then one of the ways you operate in it is you realize that your singleness is a gift from God and of a devotion to God. And when you begin to see it like that, then you immediately start pursuing dating, not as a means by which to fulfill something that you think that you need, but rather it's a continuation of that devotion to God. It's just now doing it with somebody else and thinking about it in that way. And so as we begin to uh, think about, hey, who can I possibly have as a spouse, or what does it look like to date? Like, I want us to realize that we have to have an intimate relationship with the lover of our souls before we know how to love someone else. And if we do not have that, it's going to be really hard for us to actually find that intimacy that we were created for. And so, like singleness, we're not going to be able to cover every topic on dating, The idea of this series isn't even to cover every topic, but rather to get the ball rolling in conversation. And so even in our community groups or in different discipleship relationships that we're in, I hope that it encourages some really honest conversation, okay? I want to go look at where we're going today so that we can kind of track with jumping around a little bit, and then I want to dive in uh, to the text at large, okay? First, I want to define dating, right? Like, what is dating? Then we want to look at, hey, what do you look for in a guy? Because if we know what we're looking for, then we enter into it really, really well, right? Similarly, what are we looking for in a girl? And then what are we looking for in both parties? What do both parties have to do as they come together? And then from there, I want to give some practical advice towards dating. And ultimately, what I want to hit on is, hey, why does this matter anyway? Right? Like, why not just kind of go on and do this? Why do our hearts uh, feel this draw or this attraction to this idea at large? All right? So you ready? Three of us. Here we go. Uh, The defining dating, okay? The purpose of dating is to intentionally pursue a deeper relationship with someone else. I know that sounds so unbelievably simple as a definition, but I want us to pay attention to those two words, intentional and pursuit. There are two books on this topic if you want to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, One of them is called Singleness, Dating, Engagement, and Marriage by a guy named Ben Stewart. If you don't know what that book is about, it's about singleness, dating, engagement. That's like the most plain, this is what my book is about, right? Uh, The other one is called The Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler, uh, and both highlight this idea in a sense. Both touch on dating. Ben actually calls this uh, the evaluation stage. And so you're intentionally pursuing one another, evaluating each other, really asking the question, is this the person that I can be on mission with? Is this the person that I can honor Jesus with for the rest of my life? Because some of us, were just dating girls because they look good or dating a guy because he seems nice or so that we won't feel lonely. But none of those things are actually helpful for our souls, friends. If we keep the main thing, the main thing, Christ and his glory, then what we realize is that as we enter into dating, it can actually be a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so my main desire today, okay, is that we would be able to realize that dating is okay. 
Like, like you can go out on dates, y'all. All right? At the exact same time, I desire so deeply to protect our souls in the process because so often in this uh, loose, open-handed idea of dating, we end up damaging our souls, and then we wonder why we feel this brokenness that we feel. And so there's a balance that comes with both of these. And so in order for you to intentionally date, you have to know what you're looking for. It's hard to uh, shoot an arrow at a target if you don't know what the target is. You're just shooting the blind. And so I want to give us a little bit of the target. And so, girls, what are you looking for in a guy? Well, Song of Solomon actually helps us with that because in chapter 1, she is pursuing this man named Solomon. And so in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, um, I want to look at some of the things that she says about this man and highlight what we should be looking for in a guy. Ready? Song of Solomon 1, beginning in verse 2. This is her talking. And she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. Now jump down to verse 12. She talks again. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved to me is a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breast. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. <clears throat> Verse 16. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. Okay, so what are some things that stand out here? Well, one, notice that this man's love feels good, okay? And we're not talking about sex yet. That's not what's being discussed in this part. We're talking about his love, a.k.a. ladies, you should not feel scared or bored or anxious around this man, but rather good, comfortable, loved, cared for. Really what she's highlighting here is, hey, she feels human when she's around him. She feels alive in a way, like she is becoming who God has created her to be. Does this male make you feel alive? Does he bring life up out of you? Husbands, are you pursuing your wives like this? Dating does not stop. Are you making her feel alive, to come alive, to realize who she is, right? This is the first thing she highlights. He's bringing life into me. He's making me awaken in a way. It goes on. It says that the man smells good, right? Guys, shower, okay? <laughs> if you are single and you do not shower often, that may be one of the reasons. Here's a practical <laughs> advice, all right? Uh, really what it's highlighting is that the guy should be able to take care of himself, right? The guy is able to uh, be responsible for himself. The scriptures say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If he does not know how to love himself, what makes you think he's going to love you? And so in a very real way, the guy understands how to operate with himself, how to take care of himself. And so this goes beyond like putting on cologne, right? Like this is saying, is he handling his business in a way? Like think of Boaz from our series in the winter uh, in the book of Ruth. Boaz was a man who had built a whole community as a single man. He was running this community. He was loving people around him. He was supportive of people around him. And this was way before meeting Ruth, right? Ruth didn't all of a sudden make him godly. He was already godly, yeah. right? The man shouldn't all of a sudden become godly because you step in his life. He should already be taking care of himself and, and operating in a way that is godly, that is holy, that is beautiful. Ladies, you following? 
right? Y'all better be like amen in a little bit in this joint, right? Tell these men, step it up, all right? Uh, and some of you men, y'all need to be amen in too. Like, uh, hey, I've been godly, mama. I'm ready, right? <laughs> so be ready, all right? Even more, okay, than just taking care of himself, it says that uh, his name is highlighted. He has a reputation that goes before him. It's not just his looks. His name is highly valued. He has a reputation. It says the virgins, which are other godly women, man, they honor him. What is the same? Well, these other women, they will not know him by his kisses, but they will know him by his name. Is the guy you're interested in, does he have a godly name? Is his reputation kind of going before him? People should speak highly of this man. Is this the person that you're dating or even married to? Are you able to encourage him in that where his name is honored amongst people around him? Just because he looks good doesn't mean your marriage is going to look good. And so you need to recognize that he has to have a name, right? Somebody that is valuable, that, that actually is a, an honor to the people around him. His reputation should be going before him in a lot of ways. That's what we're saying. Within this, notice that there's actually intentionality from this woman. She's observed him. She knows what he's like. She's intentional. She's understanding his godliness. And all of this exists before marriage. At this part of the book, they are not yet married. And so we see that she already understands that this man is godly. She already knows his name. She already knows he has a reputation. And so she's being intentional. Remember, intentional pursuit. She is being intentional in the person that she is looking for. Men, is this the type of man that you're looking to be? Are you looking to be a man where your name is like $3,000 cologne, right? Or are you that axe type of man? <laughs> I ain't hating on Kmart bought axe, all right? If you rocking that, do you, all right? But I'm just saying, right, he have a godly name. Also, notice he's pursuing this woman, right? Men, take note here. She says, draw me after you, right? Draw me after you. There's a reaching back. There's a pursuit. There's a, hey, come follow. I'm going to run ahead. There's an intentional pursuit of her. He ain't playing games, right? He's really trying to love her and pursue her well. And in today's culture, there is a lack of intentional pursuit often with the men because there's fear from the men. Now listen, I'm going to get to why it's scary sometimes. And I do think it's hard for a guy to operate in today's age. It's very difficult. But the guy should be intentional, making his desires clear. Ladies, pursuing you, making you feel lovely, valuable, like the jewel that God has actually created you to be. So the man should be honoring that within you. And this is what uh, we should be looking for. Married men, once again, don't check out. Are you doing this with your wife? Are you reaching back and saying, let's go, right? I love you. Let me pursue you. Let me bring you along. Let us run together. Or did you just spit game? You got that championship ring and now you content. All right? Don't do that. All right? Don't do that. Additionally, the text says that he is like in Getty. And Gedi was a, a place of refuge in Israel. It was a, an oasis in the middle of a desert, okay? And so where there was no more water, where there was no grass for anywhere around, there was a, a place of refuge. And so really what Solomon is to her is a place of refuge or comfort or safety. Men or ladies is the men that you're looking for like water to your weary soul at times. Do you feel safe around him? right, that there's a place of refuge, even spiritually in this spiritual dry desert of the world that we are in, when you get by him, is it kind of like a, whew, for your soul? Because if not, then maybe he's not really in Getty. 
Maybe he's just a mirage. And she knows that that's not true because she's been around him. There's been intentionality once again. And so Solomon is a place of safety and rest, right? Additionally, kind of as a side note here, uh, I think that oftentimes in our singleness, we think that we are way stronger than what we actually are. And so we end up going too far uh, romantically with each other because we think we have the strength that we may not have yet. And so there needs to be intentionality. We ain't talking about sex at all this week because we're talking about it next week fully. But there does have to be a, a protection here. And in Song of Solomon, you see this growing desire between the two to be physically intimate. And yet she describes this date that they're on as she's like under a canopy of leaves. You see it there in verse 16 and 17? Like she's on a rug of grass is what it says. They're outside. They're at a park. They're in a forest. They're in the public eye where other people can see them because they have a growing desire to be physically intimate, and yet it is clear throughout the scriptures that they are not awakening love before it is yet time to do that. And so what does it say about Solomon? It says that he is a protector in a way, that he's protecting their purity. Ladies, if your boyfriend wants to be physical with you, this is actually a good thing. But, okay, but is he also aiming to protect y'all's purity within those desires? The desires are not bad. In fact, they're very beautiful. And when they're expressed in their right uh, frame in marriage, they become a worshipful act to God. But when outside of marriage, that should not be happening. So does he see you as a daughter of the king to be cherished or an object to be used for his own temporary satisfaction? Right? Now listen, that doesn't say that there's not a redemption for mistakes. There really is, okay? Hate to say this in front of my in-laws, but I was not the most clear and, and awesome godly man when pursuing my wife, right? There were seasons where I probably should have pulled back some and made unwise decisions. And while we never went way too far, we probably crossed that line and was beginning to think we're way better than we actually are, right? And so uh, there needs to be intentional protection, and, but there is forgiveness when we do mess up. So don't hear me uh, kind of coming down hard if you've made mistakes or if you've gone too far, but there should be a godliness about this man that aims to protect your purity, that's what we're seeing here. And then notice also, finally, this man needs to love Jesus. More on this in a second, but they're running together, it says. She says, let us run. And so he's able to keep pace with her and she with him, as we'll look at in a second. But there's a compatibility, even spiritually, in their life that is huge. And so ladies, dating and then marriage will not finally fulfill you. You need to find a man that is running after Jesus the way you want to run after Jesus. Because marriage will not be the end all be all. In fact, if you think that is going to be the case, then what you're doing is you're making this future husband your Messiah and no human shoulders are broad enough to carry that weight. You need to find hope in your true Messiah. And then as you do that, as y'all run together, there's beauty within that. And listen, if no man comes along that's able to run with you, then that's okay. Because it is so much better to be single and to feel lonely than to be married and actually be alone. You tracking with that? Right? When you're single, it can hurt because it can feel lonely at times. We know that. We talked about that just last week. But when you're married and you're actually alone because this person isn't running after Jesus with you, they're not pursuing you, they're not this sort of guy that is trying to honor you, then it's like being stranded out in the middle of the sea. Right? There's water all around and you can't drink any of it. 
And so this needs to be the type of guy that we're looking for, the man that will push us towards Christ. There's more than just this, okay, but this is a good start. This is from like one little passage of scripture. And so there's a lot of other things that we can actually see. Hey, is this guy a godly man? But we're going to tie in the most important thing in a second because it relates to both parties, okay? Now, let's swing over to Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, We're going to switch and say, hey, what should a guy be looking for in a girl? And in Proverbs chapter 31, which is just a couple of books back from where we are right now, uh, you're going to see what a man should be aiming for in a her, in a lot of ways. Proverbs 31, pick it up in verse 10. It says, an excellent wife who can find... She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of a merchant. She brings uh, her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Jump down to verse 29. It says, many women have done excellency, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Firstly, notice that these sort of women are harder to come by than you think. Who can find them, he starts off with, right? So if you find them and you like it, then put a ring on it. (laughs) Beyonce told us that a while ago, right? Okay, so she's not normal though, right? She's a jewel. There's something distinct about her. What is this? Well, there's several things within this, but one reminder here for the ladies, okay? Josh talked about this passage actually in the fall, and we see that almost all the verbs that are used are in the perfect tense, which means that this isn't like she does this all day, every day. This is how she's always been. Rather, this is kind of like a lifetime achievement award, okay? And so she's grown into this and is becoming this, more and more. So ladies, this is not calling you into perfection, but it is calling you to strive for Christ-likeness, that the godly woman is striving towards some of these things. What are these things? Well, one of them, man, is that uh, she does her part to help. She is a helper, which is actually one of the first things that God says about women in Genesis chapter 2, right? Some women, they want to just do everything, and they don't see the team chemistry that needs to happen. And on the reverse and some kind of want you to do everything, and they don't realize the team-oriented nature that marriage is, right? I ain't saying she a gold digger, but she ain't messing with no broke, broke, right? (laughs) All right, so this woman, she helps, right? She can hold her own, okay? She does what the scriptures are calling her to do. She does it well. Somebody just looked at me like, I can't believe you did that. I saw that face. I ain't gonna look back at you, all right? Secondly, right, she's a woman of high character, but the husband's heart, he trusts her in a way. She's faithful, a trustworthy woman, a woman of character. In fact, her character leads her to bless others around her. Like if you look in verse 15, she's providing for the people in her family and for those outside of the family, those who actually need additional help, right? Men, are the women you're looking for, are they just laughing at your jokes and so that makes you feel good? Or are you looking for a godly woman, right? 
Thank you. One amen. Okay. That's important there, right? Are they just making you feel good or are they pressing you even toward character, toward godliness, toward Christ-likeness? Because this is exuding out of them. You can taste it when you get around them. You can smell it. You can see the person of Jesus radiating off of her. This is what you should be looking for. Also, really quickly, because it is shown in this text, but as I was reading this morning, I realized it's shown really, really well in verse 23. So it's not on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, look at verse 23 real quick. It says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. This is really important, y'all. Is she looking for a godly man? The man she married is godly because she was probably looking for a godly man. And this, this could show you that she's not just looking for somebody that can keep her company, but she's keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is Christ. Yeah. You tracking with that? Yeah. Right? And so this is what's happening here. The Proverbs 31 woman married a godly man, and this probably spurs the type of godliness that you see in her, and her godliness spurs the type of godliness that you see in him. And so she's keeping the main thing, the main thing. She's also not just looking for companionship. She's looking for somebody who she could do mission with. And this is important, right, because they're keeping the main thing. There's no false burden of saying, hey, if you come to me, then you will be my savior and finally fulfill all the dreams that I have. She already has that in Jesus. And so now what they're doing is they're able to spur one another on into this godliness. Further, she also has a high reputation, just like the guy does, his name goes before him. So it's true with her as well. Her name goes before her. She's honoring the people around her. People are speaking very, very highly of her. In fact, this is one of the main things that actually drew me to my wife, Natalie, is that we were uh, out in Colorado doing like a leadership development type of uh, a camp, and there was a bunch of other uh, students from the University of Texas, and there were several uh, other women there. And there were three women that were in our group in particular. And like all good Christian camps, we went around and shared our testimony the first day, all right? And as uh, these other women were sharing their testimony, all three of them had said that Natalie either led them to faith or was the first one that kind of came in once they found faith and was uh, their main discipler that she was growing them up in the faith, maturing them, and they were like all boasting about this woman. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to plant a church one day, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and now we married. <laughs> all right? So does this woman love Jesus? Is her reputation going before him? Does, does she serve and love the Lord, right? Notice also at the end of this, she uh, may be beautiful, she may be charming, but she's not taking advantage of her beauty or her charm. What she's allowing to radiate is her love of the Lord. You tracking with that? Guys, okay, I don't mean to say this harshly, right? But y'all need to watch out for wolves, because there are some women who want to use their physical beauty or their charm to draw you in, and yet that will not last when it's all said and done, right? And so we have to be careful there. This woman loves the Lord, and this is what's drawing praise, okay? Now, a real quick aside, because we're talking about physical beauty, and I get this question all the time. Like, well, what if I'm just not that attracted to her? Like, I think she's okay, but I'm not that attracted because guys are such physical beings, right? Listen, godliness is what matters. Now, I'm not saying that physical attraction does not matter at all because God has made us physical beings and so it does in a sense that is okay. Plus no girl wants a guy who's like, let me keep it 100 with you. I ain't really that attracted to you. 
but I'm just going to pursue you anyway, right? Like nobody wants that, okay, on either side. So I'm not saying that, okay. Even the Shulamite in, in Song of Solomon, one of the first things she says in chapter 5 and 6 is she has this fear about her beauty. She doesn't think she's very beautiful. And so she says, I've been outside too long, and, and I'm too dark. I'm not lovely. I'm, I'm too dark, something that my wife has never said, right? <laughs> right? But she doesn't feel this beauty, okay? And so, man, listen, it is good to honor her beauty and to realize who God has made her to be. I'm not saying that physical appearance doesn't matter. There should be something. I'm just saying it doesn't matter that much, right? It's not the end all be all. Plus, we all going to get old one day, right? And so no matter how much beauty is there, the beauty is eventually going to slowly but surely fade. And if there's no godliness to match it, then tell me how much that beauty matters when you're 60 and miserable for the next 30 years, right? There has to be a godliness that matches. And 60-year-olds, some of y'all are beautiful too. I ain't saying that, all right? Right? But there has to be more than that. In fact, Matt Chandler, who's a pastor in Dallas and wrote the book we talked about, is actually the president of Acts 29, which is one of the associations we're in. Uh, He says it like this. He says, I keep saying it. Godliness is sexy to godly people. And so if you get in proximity and you see the godliness and character of a woman, you begin to take compatibility and godliness and gospel partnership more seriously than just physical attraction. The culture tells us physical, sexual attraction is first, then character, godliness, and compatibility follow. I think we get it backwards. I think once character and compatibility and godliness are there, those fuel attraction in a way that pleases God and is much safer for our souls. So is she beautiful, a.k.a. godly? Is that what we're looking for, okay? She loves the Lord. She follows Jesus. Now, real quick, I want to go to 2 Corinthians and look at something that's highlighted for both parties. And this section talks a little bit more about purity, which, once again, we're going to get to next week, not this week. But it does give really good insight for us. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 14, it says this, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So listen, what this is saying, the most important thing for both parties is that both are actively uh, pursuing Christ. Notice the verb, they're actively pursuing Christ together. This is the most important thing. This section has a lot to do with purpose. And as you're thinking about marriage, that's what marriage is. There's devotion in singleness, your devotion to God. There's uh, really a evaluation. Is this person going to help me love and serve God? And then in marriage, there's mission, friends. We get married for mission. And so this has a lot to do with purpose. And what he uses is an analogy of yoking, right? It's like the little things that you put around like ox's neck, you know, and then they like walk with each other and they plow a field. I ain't going front. I'm from Detroit. And so I don't think I had seen a cow until I like moved to Texas, all right? And so I did not know what yoking was when I first read this. I thought it was literally when you take like two eggs and crack them and the yolks get mixed up and then you can't like separate it. It kind of makes sense, right? All right. That's not what he's saying though, okay? If you have two different ox, all right, of two different strengths, 
then it's actually really, really dangerous, y'all. Because if one ox starts to pull, all of a sudden this other ox, man, he could get really injured by that. Both ox have to be on the same mission together so they can plow the field together. But if one is way stronger than the other, then what happens is the other ox, its neck gets broken, literally. And then the one ox is now not just having to plow a whole field by himself, he's also having to carry around a dead oxen. That's what a lot of marriages are like. Right? And so, real talk, right? I know that's heavy, but this is the reality of why it's so important that we know what we're pursuing before we get into it. Because a lot of times we can feel like we're carrying around 900 pounds because we thought this marriage would satisfy us, not realizing that marriage is meant for mission, it's meant for something so much more. Now, listen, there is redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord can bring the dead to life. And so though the oxen you might be pulling around might feel dead, the Lord can resurrect that thing, all right? And then, man, marriage can go off again. But it's better just to be getting it right the first time, amen? Like, it's better to walk into it well. And so, listen, what we can't do in our dating, y'all, is we can't pray backwards prayers. You know what I mean by that, right? Like, God, please bless this relationship, even though it is ruining me and it's not pleasing to you at all. Please bless it, right? We can't be praying prayers like that, y'all, okay? You can't bring God into a relationship thinking then it will be blessed. Christ already has to be the center of your relationship, and then you'll have blessing that flows out of it automatically, friends. Even within marriage, once again, don't devoid this. This is true still. As you're pursuing your wife, as you're engaging with your husband, man, is Christ the center or are you trying to bring him in in hopes that there would be a fixing of your marriage? But if Christ is the center and the focus and everything flows out of that, then there's this beauty, there's this mission together, there's this togetherness that begins to fire up your soul and makes you come alive in the way that you were created for. There has to be Christ-centeredness in the midst of all of this. This is what the scriptures are pointing to over and over again. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3, I actually love this. This is in the NLT. It says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. (laughs) Dang. (laughs) All right? And that's just true. Some of us need to realize that we're mad at God for things that we chose to do. But if we enter into it rightly... Friends, and if we know what we're looking for, then there can be this protection. Marriage is about mission together. It's about partnership toward something bigger than yourself, toward the mission of Christ, toward sanctification, toward discipleship. And so a lot of men, they're looking for a helper, but they don't need any help because they ain't doing any work for the Lord. Hello, right? And a lot of women are looking to help men that ain't trying to do anything for the Lord. Don't do that, y'all. Put yourself in a relationship where Christ is the center and the focus, and then you will feel yourself come alive. And so that's why singleness is so important. Our devotion to the Lord as single people is so important because this actually compels this dating and then into marriage. And so this is what is important. Can you leave a legacy with this person? Does he or she want to change the world with you? Do they want to disciple and raise up godly kids? Do they want to use your home as a place that you can share the gospel and see other people come to know Christ? Are they serving in the local church already? Ladies, you want a good man? Just see how many chairs he stacks at the end of the gathering, the second (laughs) gathering, all right? Right? Is that already happening? Is it already there? Don't look today, though, because you know some men are going to be like... All right? Okay. All right? So, 
Christian relationships should be centered on making Jesus' name famous, and so we need to be intentional within that. Now realize, some people are uh, who God uh, is uh, creating them to be. They're, They're not yet where they should be, is what I'm saying, and so I'm not saying that they need to be perfect. So Proverb 31, Song of Solomon 1, they're highlighting this perfection. Ain't nobody that, right? Like if Natalie was looking for that, she wouldn't have married me. And she wouldn't have married anybody, right? Because nobody is this. So realize that the scriptures are fine with us realizing that people are becoming who God has created us to be. And so don't look for perfection, right? Because some of us, I don't know if we'd date Jesus if he came down here on earth, right? Like, I don't know, he's just too emotional, right? That's not what we're saying, okay? That's not what we're saying, right? And so listen, there has to be an intentionality right? There has to be an intentionality, but realize God is doing a work on people, y'all. I get it, okay? So give grace, and yet, listen to me, have high standards. Give grace, but have high standards. What is the person becoming in Christ? Are they pursuing him? Are they active after that, okay? And so real quick, as we turn the corner toward the end, what does it look like to uh, do this intentionally? How do we practice this or pursue this? Well, the first thing that we see is you have to involve your community, friends. In fact, if you go back to Song of Solomon chapter 1, in verse 4 and 11, it'll be on the screen so you can see it, but it says this. Others, all of a sudden there's these other people in their relationship. What are are they doing there, right? Others, we will exalt and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. And then it goes down in verse 11. These others are talking again. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Relationships are not done well in isolation, so trust the community that God has put around you, friends. This is actually why it's so important to have good friendships like we talked about in the first week of our relationship series because these friends can really help us as we pursue dating together. They can often see with their head and their eyes what your heart has blinded your eyes and your head from being able to see in someone else, right? And so they're able to help you and to press into this. These others are able to encourage you when you feel like, ah, I don't really know. They might say, no, look at that man, right? Like, man, just because maybe he doesn't have a job right now, like, he's had a track record forever, and you're like, okay, maybe you can oversee something. Or maybe it's like, yo, just because that man looked good, don't mean you need to be with him, girl, right? And if you ain't got friends like that, join a community group and get friends like that, (laughs) because you need it for yourself, okay? Let them speak in. Secondly, we need to remove the unhealthy expectations that are put on dating. It's okay to ask people out and to do coffee here and there, okay? Like, being clear with intentions is helpful here. So what you say is, hey, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. Can we go get coffee together? Okay? And just make sure that you're not trying to, like, feel her up at the end of the night, and then you'll be okay. Am I getting too real on Mother's Day? All right? Listen, coffee is not a binding thing. Unlike sex, which we'll talk about next week, that is binding. And so remove these unhealthy expectations. Coffee is okay. It's temporary, and you may realize you're not really that compatible. And if both people go in open-handed with no unnecessary expectations of what your future kids may look like, right? If you're ready, okay, to kind of go in there together, even if it doesn't work out, even if you go on one or two coffee dates and you realize, man, there's just not much here, not much chemistry. If both of you went in open-handed, all it's going to do is deepen your friendship together, And so it can be done well, right? You just have to be pure and intentional and have an intentional pursuit from the beginning, right? So there's no unhealthy expectation. Um, 
One question that comes up often, I'm going to skip that, online dating, okay, would love for you to be in community groups this week and to even ask that question of other people. I'll give you a 30,000 foot view. I won't dive into it too much, but I just want to encourage you. The whole idea is intentional pursuit. Where is your heart at within this? Listen, it's okay if this is how you meet some people, but let me say this. Man, there's some godly people up in this church. You want me to make the single people stand up? All right. There's some godly people in here, y'all, okay? And so you can pursue that, but this is okay, all right, in a way, but notice you won't get the depth that you can get in somewhere like this. You won't be able to see them from a distance. But if there's a lot, say, on a profile or something that you can see about the person, there's a lot that you're able to kind of study even from afar, I'd say it's okay. If it's like a swipe left, swipe right, and all you're looking at is physical attraction, that's trash. Do not use that. Okay? And so, thanks. Shoot. All right? So, there has to be intentionality. What you're looking for are these things up here, right? Not how white their teeth are, all right? And so this has to be important, all right? I have a ton of other practical things, but I'm running out of time. And so let me wrap it up with this, right? The culture, they kind of tell you what you should be feeling. These bubbly feelings, these attractions. If you go to the last slide on there for me, Sarah, this is good, okay? Bubbly feelings, attractions. Go one more, I think, Sarah. Um... Yeah, I want you to ignore the culture, though, that there's all this uh, understanding of what relationships should be, and yet our culture ends up with 50% divorce. You say, well, it's the same in the church. That's not true, y'all. Don't ever listen to that stat again. The stat is that if both couples are in church at least twice a month, which ain't even all that frequent, right? But if they're both in church at least twice a month, divorce drops down to 8%. And so the culture says, oh, do this, don't do this, do this. I want to tell you, don't listen to the culture, listen to the scripture. It has a better way for you. It knows what's safe for your souls. It wants you to thrive in your relationship. So the feelings and the attractions, yes, they're all good. But here's the deal, friends. This is why we want this so much. Because dating intentionally leads to engagement, which leads to marriage. And all of us long for that, y'all. Why do we long for that? Because God has hardwired it in you to long for something that is greater than what's in front of you, to long for a togetherness, for a oneness, for a connection, because what he's trying to get you to long for is not just a husband or a wife, but it's Christ himself. Because, see, Jesus himself was a man, and he came down and he pursued us when we were very far uninterested in him. And he started pursuing us and chasing after us. And he lived his life to perfection. And just as one day the guy may get down on a knee and propose to a woman, so Christ did that for us as he bent his knees and hung up on the cross. And at that moment, he says to you, will you enter into relationship with me forever? Will you covenant with me? Will you be with me forever? And then Jesus, as he resurrected, he's at the altar in heaven right now. And so just as you long for that wedding day, ladies, just as you long for that wedding day, men, it's put in you innately because you're longing for something greater than what any human can fulfill. Because just as that man one day will be standing at the altar waiting for you, so Christ is at the altar in heaven right now waiting for you. And just as the woman walks down dressed in all white, so we who believe will be washed by the blood of Jesus, dressed in white, and cleansed from all of our sins. And just as there's a joining together and everybody's watching, witnessing the celebration of the union of husband and wife, so the angels one day will celebrate of the union of Christ and his church. You're longing for something greater. It's a good 
good longing, just know it won't be found in any human. It's only found in Christ and in Christ himself. And as, as you see this in Christ, friends, then your soul is inflamed, and you don't need another man or a woman to satisfy that. But then if another man or a woman comes along, man, that's icing on the cake in a lot of ways. Now you get to pursue this together. And so this is what we should be looking for. It's a Christ-likeness, a togetherness. Our focus should be on Christ and on Christ alone. And as that drives us, friends, that will inflame our souls and that that will make us come alive in ways that we are designed for. Dating is a good thing, y'all. Let's talk about it in community groups. Ask couples who have dated. Man, I, I love it. But it's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing that you're looking for is Jesus. And he has proposed to you and says, come into relationship with me. And I pray that all of us would see that. Amen. Amen. I love you guys so much. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this reality. I thank you, God, that you, the lover of our souls, are wooing us to you. So God, I pray that that would happen more and more. Would we pursue you, chase after you, love you, Jesus, as you pursue, chase after, and love us? Create good dating relationships here in this church. Let them honor you. Pray this in your very beautiful name. Amen.